G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Let me tell you about biblical self-giving love. Self-giving love demands something of ourselves, not from the other person. Self-giving love is more concerned about giving than receiving. Self-giving love has no room for pride and self-conceit. Now, I'm going to level with you. If you hear me talk about self-giving love and you say, man, I'm, I'm going to try that. If you try it naturally, you're going to fail. Why? Because it is an impossibility. Merry Christmas, and thanks for joining Dr. Michael Yusuf for Leading the Way. Dr. Yusuf is the author of more than 50 life-changing books, including his recent bestseller, How to Read the Bible. On this Christmas Day, it's very appropriate to talk about love. After all, for God so loved the world that He gave. But Dr. Yusuf is not going to teach today about how God loved through sending his son, but rather how you can experience self-giving love in your relationships. Listen with me now as Dr. Yusuf begins a leading the way message. He's called Supernatural Love. Perhaps there is no word in the English language that has been more tortured and more twisted. Perhaps there's not another word in the English language that has been more distorted and deformed. Perhaps there's not a a word in the English language that has been more muddied and misunderstood and misconstrued and, and misinterpreted and even perverted like the word love. And the truth is that on a daily basis, at least in my lifetime, as I look on a continuous basis, I see the truth about love seem to kind of get deeper and deeper every day being buried in the avalanche of selfishness and confusion. I don't think I have to tell you this, but you, I'm, I'm telling you the obvious. Whenever Hollywood uses the term love in their movies, 99% of the times, I was going to say 99.9%, and I want to be charitable, just in case. There's a 1% somewhere. 99% of the times, it is used in terms of selfish ends. And so, when the guy says to the gal, I love you. I need you. I can't live without you. What is he saying? He's saying, I love me, and I want you (laughs) to love me. It's like the wife that went to the pastor and was talking about the problems she's having with her husband, and, and she began to talk about some of the problems and the troubles, and he said, you know, finally, he said, look, if you can summarize it in a sentence, what would it be? She said, very simple. We both are in love with the same person, him. <laughs> you know, the problem is that we see this all around us, but the danger is that we're getting used to it. 
But you know what? I, I can tell you that believers are not immune to this kind of confusion. They are not immune to this type of distortion, this distortion of the real meaning of love. Because if we keep feeding on this stuff, sooner or later, we're going to begin to view love as distorted as they do. Sooner or later, we're going to believe that if God really loves me, then He should do what I ask Him to do. Sooner or later, this type of distortion is going to permeate Christian homes and even Christian churches. Sooner or later, this distorted and selfish view of love is going to permeate every aspect of our lives. Today, in fact, today, there are very few people who really understand, who really, really comprehend what biblical love is all about, what sacrificial love is all about. They really, really do. Many people today think love is, is just having that kind of warm affection and, and, or, or even romance or desire. and they, They're just totally confused. In fact, I, I remember many years ago, and I say really many years ago, a young woman came to me and she said, you know, I've been dating this guy. And and he told me last week, he said, if you do not marry me, I'm going to kill myself. And she's carrying this huge guilt. Well, a couple of years later, I'm not a curious guy by nature, but a couple of years later, I saw her, and, and I just couldn't help it. And I said, well, no, you obviously did not marry him, and, and, um, and did he kill himself? <laughs> she said, no, he's married and has a kid. <laughs> you know, this type of threat is not love, that is pure selfishness. Let me tell you about biblical self-giving love. Self-giving love demands something of ourselves, not from the other person. Self-giving love is more concerned about giving than receiving. Self-giving love is more about sacrificing of self for others. Self-giving love is more about the will rather than the feelings. Self-giving love puts the welfare of others ahead of ours. Self-giving love has no room for pride and self-conceit. Now, I'm going to level with you. If you hear me talk about self-giving love and you say, man, I'm, I'm going to try that. If you try it naturally, you're going to fail. Why? Because it is an impossibility because you cannot sustain it in the long run. The best of our natural effort to love selflessly will only go so far. Only supernaturally can we love the self-sacrificing love. You say, well, how would I get that? Let me tell you. The Apostle Peter tells us in 2 Peter, because you don't have to generate it, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, you know what he said? That everyone who's in Christ Jesus, not maybe or possibly, no, he said, you are partakers of the divine nature, that you are already a partaker of the supernatural. And because the very Jesus whom we claim to know as the Savior and the Lord of our lives, has already promised to pour His love into our hearts. <laughs> the Bible said in John 13, verse 1, the Bible said about Jesus said, when He loved His own, He loved them to perfection. What does that mean? That He loved them to the fullest degree and measure. That He loved them to the limitless of love. 
And if there is one thing that should distinguish the believers from the non-believers, it's not because we try harder. No, 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 no. You don't understand. If there's one thing that distinguishes between those who know Jesus Christ and love Jesus Christ and those who do not, it should be that selfless love. Listen again, John 13, 34 and 35, here's Jesus speaking. A new commandment I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples. What is this? Preaching? As much as I love preaching. Going to church? Being a church member? Christian activities? No. By this. All men will know that you're my disciple. What is the distinguishing mark? What is the trademark that, that sets you aside, that sets me aside? If you love one another, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples. What is Jesus saying? He is saying, let that self-sacrificial love be supreme mark, your su supreme trademark to your claim of my being my disciple. Let me make a bold statement. Whenever you see a self-sacrificing person who's got love in action, you are witnessing an obedient child of God. Whenever you see a loveless person, you are seeing a disobedient child of God. I want you to hear me right. You know the extreme importance that I place on right doctrine, biblical doctrine, you know of the extreme importance that I place on biblical theology and on, on biblical truth, but right biblical doctrine is no substitute for love. Did you get that? Right theology, important as you know I would die for it, is no substitute for love. Church activities are no substitute for love. Church membership and no substitute for love. And a believer has absolutely no excuse for not loving like Jesus. Do you know why I say that? Because Romans 5.5 5 says that you're not supposed to manufacture this love. Because if you try to manufacture it, number one, you're not going to make it. And you may hack it for a little while, but you can't sustain it. Romans 5.5 5 says you can't manufacture it. You only share what you already have. Let me read it to you, literally. Because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given to us. You see, you don't manufacture love, you only share what you've got. You cannot manufacture self-giving love. You cannot do it. You cannot produce it no matter how hard you might try. You can only share that which God has already poured in your heart. A person without Christ, whenever he or she tries harder, I'm going to be self-sacrificing. I, I know that's a Christian thing, and I know this is the right thing to do, and I am going to try. They might do it in short bursts. They might do it for a little while, but they can't keep it going. <laughs> you know why? You know why? Because when they are constantly have to work at it, when you constantly have to manufacture it, when you constantly have to sweat it out, <laughs> sooner or later, you're going to get exhausted, and you're going to give up, 
And you say, it's not working. I've tried. I've given it my best. Listen to me. Love is not, cannot, will not be manufactured, only shared, because Christ has poured it into your heart already. According to 1 Corinthians 14.1, we are to pursue love. According to Colossians 3.14, we are to put on love. According to 1 Thessalonians 3.12, we are to increase and abound daily more and more in love. According to 2 Corinthians 8.8, we are to be sincere in love. According to Philippians 2.2, we are to be unified in love. And according to 1 Peter 4.8, we are to be fervent in love. And according to Hebrews 10.24, we are to increase encourage one another to love. And that is why when you come to the great love manifesto, 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul actually does what Hebrew scholars would say, an exaggeration. In the Hebrew language known as hyperbole, he really does. He, he goes to an extreme just to make his point. Turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mystery and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but had not love, I'm nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor, and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Three things in those three verses that the Apostle Paul wants every believer to understand and to take to heart and to practice. First, he's saying that eloquence is no substitute for love. Secondly, he's saying expertise is no substitute for love. And thirdly, he is saying extravagance is no substitute for love. Eloquence is no substitute for love. You know, the Corinthians at that time, with Paul writing to them, they were bragging all over the place about that they can speak in tongues, that they can speak in different languages, but they had loveless hearts. And that's why Paul addresses them and addresses this problem. He said, you know, if I speak in every known language in the world… No, that's not even impressive enough. If I speak like the angels speak, well, how do the angels speak? When the angels appear to people, they were awestruck. I mean, that's why the angels said to Mary, fear not. Why? These are awesome creatures when they, when they come in the flesh. And, and then when they spoke to Joseph, same thing, fear not. Why? Because when they speak, you literally want to go back and say, whoa, what, 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 what's this? And Paul said, if I have this kind of power that when I speak, people say, whoa, listen to this guy. I, I mean, he is incredible. And they are all struck with the eloquence of his words that he's speaking with the power of angels. He said, if I've got all of that and have no love, means nothing. I'm just going to sound like a bunch of noise. Beloved, I wanted to hear me right. The best of our witnessing the best of our evangelistic techniques, the best of our teaching and preaching, the best of our instructing of our children, the best 
of our programs, the best of our abilities, if they are not motivated by love, according to the Word of God, it's nothing. They're going to come out like a bunch of noise. You know, during the time of the Apostle Paul, the people in the, in the town of Corinth, they celebrated pagan festivals. They celebrated the gods and the goddesses, particularly uh, Sybil and, um, and Bacchus and Dionysus. When they celebrated those three gods in the, in the rituals of that celebration, the people always kind of spoke with ecstatic noise, and, and they had the smashing gongs, and they have clanging cymbals. You see, Paul is not making stuff up. They already know what's going on. They see the pagan festival, and they see how the rituals take place, and there's trumpets always blowing. And he's saying to the Corinthians, that you're familiar with all this. You're familiar with this language, and therefore, speaking eloquently, speaking in other, another language, speaking even with angelic language. All that can be only a bunch of noise like you see happen at your pagan festivals and the rituals that takes place. Bunch of noise if they are not done in love. Eloquence is no substitute for love. Secondly, expertise is no substitute for love. You know, we often ask the question, you know, what does make a person tick? Yeah, what we're really saying is, what is his motive? What is her motivation? What is, what's her motivation? That's what we're really doing. Several years ago, the Lord taught me not to ask that question of others, but to ask it of myself. What's my motive? And I often agonize in my spirit for a long time when I'm facing a major decision. I'm agonizing in my spirit. What's my motive? I think my wife would testify to you about this agonizing that I go through. And the question that I ask myself, what is motivating me? And if I get some convoluted motives, as most of us probably do, and I go back to the Lord and I agonize some more and I wait until the Lord clarifies my motive. Why do I do this or why do I do that? Because honestly, I believe deeply in my heart that if my motive is self-interest, if my motive is self-promotion, if my motive is to take advantage of any kind, in the long run, I will not be effective for the Lord. In the long run, my effectiveness for the Lord is going to be undercut. You see, anybody can start right, and you can keep it going for a little while. I am more concerned about finishing right than I'm starting right. My concern is the, the long view. Just because I'm gifted in some area does not mean that I exercise that gift in an unloving way and expect things to happen. Oh, yeah, they may happen for a little while. You know, anybody can have a, a two-camel parade, you know, that, that was not a big deal. You know, it's just a short period of time. I want you to hear me right what I'm going to tell you. Whatever area of giftedness that you have, and we all have at least one area of giftedness, unless it is done and executed in love. In the long run, it will not produce fruit. Paul said, even if I have faith that can move mountains, even if I have faith that performs miracles, even if I have faith that I am doing the spectacular all the time, without love, According to the Apostle Paul, all of that will amount to nothing. Eloquence is no substitute for love. 
Expertise is no substitute for love. Thirdly, extravagance is no substitute for love. There can be probably no more extravagance than emptying your bank account and your home, your car, your stocks and bonds and all your net worth and you take everything and you become homeless and just give it all away. <laughs> he said giving everything. He was talking about everything. I mean, basically this is it. He gave everything away. If I give it all away, he said, no, that's not even enough. My body, which I still got left. I give all my possessions. But then I got my body and I allow my body to be burned. No, it's not good enough to be substitute for love. You know what the problem is? Listen to me carefully. The problem is that so many people confuse sacrificing things with sacrificial love. They really do in our culture. There are so many people who confuse sacrificing things with sacrificial love. Why do I say that? Because giving things can be a way to ease one's guilt. Whether it's good guilt or bad guilt, doesn't matter. Beloved, I want to tell you something, and it took me a long time to really understand this. The greatest gift that you can give someone is yourself. Men, there are many of us, we find it a lot easier to just pay for things, buy things for our kids, buy things for our wives, buy things. But what they want, Dad, is you. Is you. You know, throughout history, there have been so many groups and so many individuals, read it in history, who have tried to practice self-denial. They've tried to practice self-humiliation. They've tried to practice self-affliction even. Still today. But without love, all of these things are anything but selflessness. Why? Because the real focus of these, what I consider them to be pagan practices, the focus is not God, and the focus is not others. The focus is self. Giving that is not done out of love for God and for others is of little value as far as God is concerned. Paul said, if I deliver my body to be burnt, but have not love, it profits me nothing. You know, you hear people say, oh, I'll die for you, I'll die for you, I'll die for you. Now, you know what's harder than dying for someone? Is living for someone. Is dying to self. It's much harder to live for Jesus than to die. It's much harder to live for somebody else than to die. It's much harder to die to your ideas and your opinion and your way. A passionate challenge to live and love for Christ. You're listening to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Now, if what you've heard today has challenged you to seek to know Jesus in a more personal way, and you'd like to talk with someone about what it all means, visit ltw.org Jesus. Fill out a short form and connect with a Leading the Way pastor or counsellor. ltw.org Jesus. Well, since today is Christmas, let's pause and experience some sounds of a recent Christmas celebration with the worship team at Dr. Yusuf's Church in the heart of Atlanta. The Church of the Apostles. The Spirit told the prophets, and the prophets spoke the word. Now word was spread throughout the land, prepare the way of the Lord. 
And the angels told the shepherds And the shepherds vowed to pray Then the angels and the shepherds and the wise men Sang this song on Christmas Day They were singing Jesus Christ is born Jesus Christ is born And all of heaven and earth rejoice On this Christmas morn Jesus Christ is born Time to say goodbye for this episode. But please check out the podcasts available from Dr. Yusuf and Leading the Way on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Google, YouTube, plus others. And join Dr. Yusuf for more Leading the Way. Learn more about Leading the Way and connect further with Dr. Yusuf at ltw.org. That's ltw.org. Or speak with a ministry representative when you call 1300 133 589. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth around the world. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.